Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God, and welcome back to our study here in the book of Joshua. We've been working our way through little by little, uh, just digging into it and hopefully helping you as we guide through and preach through God's Word, encouraging us as we learn and study God's Word personally on our own. When it comes to famous last words, chapters 23 and 24 are basically at the end of Joshua's life. Joshua is the leader. God had appointed him to lead the Israelites, to be the leader following Moses. And uh, we've seen through the book of Joshua how God has led Joshua and the Israelites through some many incredible experiences, certainly across the Jordan River and conquering uh, the city of Jericho and on and on. But we are nearing the end of Joshua's life, and in chapters 23 and 24, he shares some of his final words with the Israelites, with the people. Last week, we looked at chapter 23. Uh, This morning, we're going to be looking at mostly chapter 24, almost the entire portion, except for uh, the last number of verses. But what we see is this, when we come to famous last words... I've been studying this over the last number of weeks. We see that our last words, they can be poignant and powerful. Uh, They can be funny and and goofy, uh, unfortunately. They can, well, sometimes they can be mean or nasty, but sometimes our last words can have great effect. Here are some individuals that we would see. W.C. Fields was a comedian And when asked why he was reading the Bible on his deathbed in 1946, he said, I'm looking for loopholes. Sometimes when it comes towards the end of our lives, our perspective changes. And he was trying to find some loopholes. Here is renowned chemical scientist Michael Faraday. And on the brink of death, his wife asked him, if he had ever pondered what his occupation would be in the next life. Before he fell totally unconscious to the world, he calmly uttered his last words in response to his wife's question. The chemical scientist said these words, I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. So you've got one person who's trying to find loopholes before his time on earth is done, You've got another individual saying, I'm simply focused on being with Christ. You've got Bing Crosby, who his last word was reportedly this. That was a great game of golf, fellers. Or writer O. Henry, who said, turn up the lights. I don't want to go home in the dark. Lots of different approaches when it comes towards that time. So we see Joshua having led the people of Israel for years, for decades, and he's wanting to share and communicate. Many scholars would look to chapter 23 as being primarily to his leaders, chapter 24 here being about all of the people of Israel. Chapter 24 indicates he dies at the age of 110. So he lived a long life, and as he's coming to the end, he's wanting to impart some challenges, some powerful last words to the people of Israel. So chapter 23, he gave us these words, remember, obey, and love. So we jump into chapter 24, and we look to see what God would have for us through Joshua and some of his final words. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. 
Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. So all of the tribes were assembled. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. So chapter 23, he begins talking about, remember what God has done for you. So he's sharing with the leaders. Now he's got everybody together, and his famous last word to them is, remember. He reminds them once again in chapter 24, just like he did in chapter 23. And in these next 12 verses that we go through, I want you to see and I want you to count, as I'm reading through in the New International Version, we're going to see 18 times that from God's perspective, God says, here's what I did. You can follow along in your version, in your translation. I'll be reading from the NIV beginning in verse 2 and following. But Joshua is accounting and recounting what God has said he has done. Verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. So he's giving God's words. He's sharing what God has to say. Long ago, your ancestors, and so again, he's, he's talking about, remember, all of these things we're going to get to and share about. He's saying, long ago, all of these things took place. Don't forget about the past. Don't forget about what God has done. Remember, even if it's long ago. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. He's saying, listen, remember the fact that many years ago, ancestors and other people, they were following other gods. You can kind of remember your testimony. Remember what God has done in your life. Now, just take a look around. Look at the one to your left, and take a look at the one on your right. You can smile. I prefer not, don't, don't laugh, that, that might be rude, but smile. And then, then take a look at the people on the other side of the sanctuary. Okay, and then you can smile some more. Take a, take a look around. You see a lot of interesting people. Well, let's just call them interesting characters, right? Did, did anybody lay eyes upon someone you might call quite the character? No pointing or anything like that. As we look around, we see some pretty interesting people. Every single one of those people has a story, has a testimony of what God has done in their lives. You might look at some other people and say, wow, those are some interesting characters, but turn it inward and say, wow, God, thank you for what you've done in me. Maybe it's been a while, maybe it's been many years, maybe it's been many decades, but can you think back to what your life was like before Christ? And now we look back to see what our life is like with Christ. So right off the bat, Joshua is sharing what the Lord has said. Long ago, all of those ancestors, well before you, they were serving well over here and they were worshiping some other gods. Look what God has done. Look what has taken place in the many years and decades and generations since. Many of you perhaps can look back to your life and see what one decision for God has meant in your home and in your family. 
Maybe it was a parent, a grandparent, a, a great-grandparent, a great-great-great-great-great-great-great. Way back, someone gave their life to Christ, and that changed the trajectory of your household and your family as they then, maybe others in your family were now brought up in Christ, having an opportunity to hear and respond to God. And so right off the bat, he's saying, remember your history, remember your story, remember your testimony. Here's what has taken place. Verse 3, and here's that first I from God's perspective. But I took your father Abraham, uh, stop there. How many of you know the song, Father Abraham? Okay, that song's been around just a little while, Right? Many of you, no matter what age, probably had that in Sunday school years and years ago. And you were singing Father Abraham and left arm, right arm, and head up and head down and turn around, sit down, and all, all those things about Father Abraham. We know about Father Abraham in the song. They know about Father Abraham as Father Abraham, this, this legend, if you would, in the history of the Israelites, God says, I took Father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, led him throughout Canaan, and gave him many descendants. This was, this was me. God says, here's what I did. Remember, years and years ago, here's what I did to Father Abraham. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. He's saying, remember my provision. Here's what I did. Here's how I blessed. Here's how I gave. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. So he's recounting history. It's many, many generations ago, but they are characters and individuals of history that these Israelites would know and hear and understand. Verse 5. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. Four times in one verse, God's saying, here's what I have done. Remember, don't forget Moses and Aaron and the Egyptians. Remember the plagues, those 10 marvelous, terrible plagues. It afflicted the Egyptians. He spared the Israelites. And as a result of that, brought them out of Egypt. Remember my provision. Remember my protection upon you. Verse 6, when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea. The Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Remember that powerful story? I mean, before hearing about what God did in bringing them across the Jordan River, God brought them across the Red Sea. With the Egyptian army at their back, 
mountain range at one side, a desert at another side. They were hemmed in and fenced in with the Red Sea in front of them, and yet God was with them. God provided. God brought them across the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians followed, and what did God do? God turned the water back on, and it flowed back and flooded and drowned them. God spared his people. God was working on their behalf. Can you look back and see God's hand on your behalf time after time after time? It's powerful to stop and remember what God's done. God wants us to remember our story and our history and our testimony and remember his blessing and all that he has done. He says, You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. You lived in the wilderness for a long time. Verse 8, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel... He sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Are you catching some of the powerful components of God? What the enemy wanted to do for bad and for evil, God said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow that. Instead, I'm going to bring good and blessing. God is able to do that, and no doubt in your life and in your history, you've seen experiences where what seemed like something that would have been to the detriment, and God took that and used that and blessed instead. He's saying, remember that? He brought in a professional cursor to come in and curse you. Instead, I came and blessed. Remember. Don't forget, Israelites, We keep moving. We keep going forward. There's all all kinds of things in our future that are good and that are blessing, and God's God's giving us this land, but, but, but don't forget. Remember all that God has done. Verse 11. We get to more of the recent history. He's he's bringing this case. God's sharing from the very beginning there, way back in time, to Father Abraham. Now, Now they're coming back here to more recent history. Verse 11, then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Now, that's an understatement of a sentence, right? Oh, yeah, then you crossed Jordan and came to Jericho. You crossed the river that was flooded, probably miles wide. Oh, yeah, you just crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Oh, and then came to Jericho, the famous walled enforced city. Understatement sentence of the year, perhaps. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mosquitoites. I'm sorry, I'm I'm reading from the the modern translation. I I don't think that's in yours there. There's a whole bunch of ites. You came across all kinds of people, all kinds of enemies, all kinds of people that were against me, but I gave them into your hands. 
God says, I'm the one who conquered. I helped you have victory over the enemy. Are you thankful for victory over the enemy? Jesus Christ, once and for all, as he went to the cross for you and he went to the cross for me, granted victory over the enemy. Remember, don't forget, it, it's for 365 days a year, 366 on leap year. It's not just an Easter message that Jesus Christ died on the cross conquered death and hell and the grave. He conquered the enemies and rules and reigns victorious. Verse 12, he says, I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. God's saying, remember, it's not your might it's not your power. It's not your strength. It's not your connections. It's not your wisdom. It's not your resources. God said it was he who has done that. In fact, God goes before us many times to prepare the way. Aren't you thankful for God's preparation? Now, he mentions here about sending the hornet ahead of them and, and driving them out and driving out the two Amorite kings. Doesn't bother me whether it's a hornet, a mosquito, a gnat, a caterpillar. I don't care what he sends ahead of me. I'm thankful that God prepares the way in front of me. You can look back and you can see God's faithfulness time after time after time. He's reminding us to remember him. Remember his faithfulness. Remember it's not anything we've done. Because that's our, our tendency as humans we can throw out our back, patting ourselves on the back, right? I mean, we, we can congratulate ourselves for all these great things we do, and God's saying, listen, it wasn't your sword, your flimsy little sword. It wasn't your little bow and arrow. It's not who you were. It's not what you did. God says it was me. God did that on their behalf. And right off the bat in chapter 24, just like he did right off the bat in chapter 23, he's saying, remember, remember what I've done. Remember my provisions. Verse 13, I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. As if all these other things I've done for you have not been enough, he says, I'm giving you land. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. I'm blessing you with the land. The cities contained, you, you didn't build that. The vineyards and olive groves you're eating from, I'm preparing the way. I'm bringing you into this land of promise, land of plenty. God says, I've done all of this for you. So as he brings us and as he's bringing these Israelites into this land of promise, he's saying, don't forget about what God has done. Because that's the challenge. When, when good things happen, sometimes we think it's because of us. 
our goodness, our greatness, our creativity. We've got the knowledge or the insight or the resources or your experience or the whatever it is. Surely it had to be from me. And we're ready for whatever that next step is. And God's saying, hold on a minute. Remember, all that you've been through as a result is because of my blessings, my provisions. Remember, remember God. Remember his faithfulness. Remember what he has done. Remember the history, the testimony, power, strength, and provision. All of it is from God. Remember. So Joshua then moves on as he continues sharing and proclaiming God's words to the people. Another of his famous last words here in chapter 24 is from a very familiar verse of Scripture. It might hang in some of your homes Verse 15, the word is choose. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Some of these final challenges, Joshua says, remember what God has done. And then he says, Choose. Choose who you're going to serve. Choose who you're going to follow. We make a lot of choices each and every day, right? I mean, it would would astound us the number of things we choose, many of which are little teeny tiny choices. What time do we get up? How many times do we hit that snooze button? Let's just see. How many of you hit the snooze button at least once? Raise your hand. No way. There's got to be more of you than that. How many of you hit them more than twice. Just a handful, okay. So we, we got a handful of us that need some, some snooze buttons. You know, so there's a choice there. How many times do you hit the snooze button? You get up and you get ready. What kind of soap are you going to use? It's probably going to be the kind that you bought, but what kind do you want? What kind do you choose to buy? I mean, there's all kinds of colors and all kinds of smells. And I mean, just soap and soap and soap. What kind of toothpaste do you use? What kind of a toothbrush? I mean, Decision after decision after decision. What kind of clothes are we going to wear? What kind of colors are we going to put on? You know, what outfit are we going to wear? What, what socks and shoes? And I mean, on and on. What are we going to eat for breakfast? And what are we going to eat for lunch? And what are we going to eat for dinner? And if you go to a restaurant or a fast food place, what are you going to get? I mean, choice after choice after choice. And sometimes it just overwhelms you. All these little choices. How many of you know we also face some pretty big choices? Spiritually, the choice to serve God, the choice to follow God in salvation is huge. But there's some other things as we grow up. There's the choice of what will we do for education? Will we choose to maybe continue our schooling? Will we choose to go into a job or the workforce? If we choose to continue our education, what school or college or university or trade? If we choose the workforce, which job, which category, which specific place, and and what city will that be in? And where would I live in this city? And and will there be a special someone there to live there with me as a spouse? If I get married, are we going to have kids? If so, how many? Will we have a little dog or cat or pet running? I mean, choice after choice, decision after decision, some greater than others. 
What Joshua is saying here, he's not saying, choose this day, Pepsi or Coke. He's not saying, choose this day, Colgate or Crest. Choose this day, McDonald's or Taco Bell. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. More important than what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, more important than schooling or trade or job or spouse, it's the spiritual aspect of our life. Whom do we follow? He says, choose. You and I have got to choose. It is a personal choice. Now, a little earlier in the service, we asked how many of you are here, and then most of you agreed that you were here. A handful of you weren't so sure. We're, we're not robots that's just been dropped into this earth, programmed to respond a certain way. As much as it might, it might seem that, you know, some people you've met, you're wondering if they're a robot, you know, maybe how they act or react. Well, we're not robots. We've got personal choice. We have the opportunity to choose yes or to choose no. We've got the capability and the, the wherewithal that God's given us to make a choice. Joshua says, you and I have got to choose. It's a personal choice. Nobody can make it for us. Now, we'd love to make choices for some other people, wouldn't we? No doubt in this place, there are many family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, classmates, even from way back, people in the area and people in the community, that we would love to, if we could, just flip the switch from off to on. That would indicate they would give their life to Jesus Christ. But you and I can't make that decision. You and I can't make that choice for them. They've got to choose. We can share with them, we can preach or teach or live it in front of them, but we can't make the choice or decision. Joshua is telling all of the people, listen, you've got to choose. I've made the choice. He said, as for me and my family, me and my household, we choose God. Not Jif. Well, they might choose Jif. Choosy, choosy moms choose Jif is what the commercial says. He's not worried about Jif. He's worried about God. He says, my household, my family, we are choosing God. It is a personal choice. He says, you've got these choices. Choose whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates. So there's, there's one of the choices. You can serve the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates. So the ancestors, your, your background, your culture, your family, it's, it's in a sense kind of blindly following whatever's come before you. The gods of your ancestors, whatever other people have done, and just following after that, not making a personal choice yourself. You're allowing whatever other people were to determine who you are. You can choose those gods, follow after whatever they were. Or secondly, he said, you can choose the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. The land that you're living, the land that I'm giving to you filled with these sinful people, these Amorites, you and I could do the same thing. We could choose the gods of those in the area that we're living. 
allowing for whatever is dominant in the culture to make our choice for us. Entertainment, speech, values, interests, lifestyle, conducts, ethics. We just would simply choose to go with the flow. Whatever is taking place in our culture, whatever is taking place in our society, the place that we're living, just go with the flow and follow them. We could choose to do that too. So he's saying you can choose whatever's gone before, whatever your parents or grandparents or great-great-grandparents did. You can just follow blindly along with that. You can follow along in our nation, in our culture, the place where you live, and whatever they do, you do, to where there's, there's no difference. There's no distinction between them and between you. That's a dangerous position. Just as a side note, for today's day and age and culture, that's where many, many Christians today have simply resigned themselves to that fact. Rather than doing the third option that we're going to get to where Joshua says, we choose God, many people in today's day and culture simply say, well, we're just going to choose whatever culture says. And if culture says that this is okay, then I'm just going to simply choose that this is okay. And if culture changes, I'm going to change with it. So The culture's values are going to become my values. The culture's ethics are going to become my ethics. The culture's belief system about God or morality or sexuality, well, that's just, that's going to become my viewpoint. He said, you can choose that. You can choose to follow what everybody else around you follows. Or you can do what me and my household are going to do. And we choose God. See, he frames this right after he spent these 12 or 13 verses reminding everybody what God did, who God is, all the mighty miracles and provisions he's performed. Don't forget what God's done. And now in light of what God's done, you and I have a choice to make. You can choose all of what's gone before you. You can choose what's in the land and the lifestyle of the place you're living, or you can choose God. Follow after God. Obey God. See, there's no middle ground. We can't can't straddle the fence. It can't be one foot in the world and and one foot for the Lord and and try to lean back and forth. Oh, it's Sunday. Better lean towards uh, towards church. Oh, It's afternoon on Sunday. Lean back towards my way in the world. We can't be leaning back and forth. He says, you've got to make a choice. Too many times we we keep one foot here and one foot there. I think it was the the quote I shared with you a couple weeks ago, the fact that in, in many individuals, there's too much of the church in them to really make it in the world, but there's too much of the world in them to live faithfully for God. We've got to choose Fast forward through the books of the Bible into Revelation. What does the Lord say in Revelation? I would that you were either hot or cold. What do he say about being in the middle? When, when you mix a little bit of hot and you mix a little cold and you're in the middle, you're called lukewarm. He's not a fan of lukewarm, is he? Hot or cold? Need to know where you stand. 
So Joshua is saying, remember what God has done, and then let that lead you to make the right choice. Choose God. Don't choose lightly. Choose God. He says, choose now. Choose for yourselves this day. Joshua wasn't saying, okay, you know, maybe in another week or two or three or maybe another month or, or year, just somewhere down the road, kind of, sort of, think about God maybe. Joshua's clear. His time with them is ending. The beginning of chapter 3, it emphasized Joshua was old and Joshua himself said, I am very old. He knows his time is coming to an end, and he's getting straight with them. Choose God. Choose God. Choose him and make that choice today. Don't wait. New Testament says what? That today is the day of salvation, that we can respond. Make the choice now while we have an opportunity. Some of these famous last words that we've shared Some of these people didn't know those were going to be their last words. You and I aren't guaranteed tomorrow. You and I aren't guaranteed this extra bonus of time where we can think and process all the way through. Make the choice now. Choose God. Follow God. Joshua said, as for me and my house, me and my household, we choose God. Some of the scholars say his verb tense, the use of that verb, indicates an implied continuous action. In other words, as for me and my house, we have chosen God, we are choosing God, and we will continually in the future choose to choose God. It was a continuous, we've settled it, and we've chosen God moment. Have you chosen to follow God? I encourage you to choose boldly. It only takes one voice stepping out and choosing to follow God. Many times, even when others do not, you might be the only voice or seem like the only voice in a classroom setting. You might be the only voice or seem like or feel like the only voice in a workplace setting that follows God. You might be the only voice in your home, in your family that seems to choose and follow after God. But your choice for God can impact the lives of those around you. As they've mentioned about and as God has reminded us about all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of these individuals from Israel's history, their faithfulness for God, their choice of following after God, obeying God, has made some incredible inroads and dividends for these Israelites. Your choice for God, standing up, serving, obeying in the workplace, in the job, in the school system, in the family and home, and in our Areas can impact other people. Will you choose God? Can't be a halfway or half-hearted choice. And, and sometimes we say, well, people will say, I've got time to make the choice, so 
I'm not going to quite choose right now. Not choosing is choosing. Not choosing God is choosing to go against God. Make the choice for God. Remember what he's done. Choose God. And then finally, final word this morning is serve. After we remember all he's done, after we choose to follow God, then let us serve him wholeheartedly. Verse 14 says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. We serve God, and one of those ways is by throwing away the idols, he says. Throwing away the gods that your ancestors worshipped. Now, today's day and age and culture, we probably don't have items that are literal gods or idols, uh, gods of stone or wood, as many in biblical days might have. We've just got other kinds of idols made of metal and plastic and rubber and all, all kinds of other things. And idols, something that comes between us and our walk with God. And no doubt there's other things, other, other stuff that might be deemed that. They say, get rid of those things. Make sure none of those things come in between you and God. Wholeheartedly follow, wholeheartedly serve after God. Serve Him exclusively. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And he shares some of those thoughts and some of those consequences. Verse 21, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, Already at this point, he's saying, throw away foreign gods that, that have already kind of started to creep in and yield completely to the one true God. He's saying, you've got to focus on and be serious about serving God wholeheartedly. Don't let anything come into the way that would get in line or in place of your walk with and your relationship with God. The challenge can be that things creep in. Sometimes it's not always flat-out sin, but there are hindrances that can kind of creep in and maybe steal away some of our time, maybe steal away some of our energy or effort towards spending time in our walk with God. And those things have kind of creeped in place of that relationship with God. There's sins and or hindrances. He's saying, wipe those things away, kind of clear those off to the side, and focus on God. Serve Him and serve Him alone. And he says, yield your hearts to the Lord. So get rid of the stuff that's come between you and God and then yield. Have that openness. Yield and surrender to Him. Yielding is tough for us many times, right? And not just when we're in the car. If you're in a car and, and you're driving onto the highway, 
You're on the entrance ramp to the highway, and there's a yield sign, right? The yield sign is typically there for our good and for our benefit, because there are things called 18-wheel semi-trucks that are whizzing up and down the highway at full speed, and here we are putt-putting along in our car trying to get onto the highway. We are to yield, in the case of the highway, yield to someone or something that is bigger, stronger, faster, and has the right of way. We are to yield and surrender to God, not just bigger, stronger, and faster, but He certainly has the right of way in our lives. Get rid of the junk and stuff that ought not to be there in His place. Yield to Him. Surrender to Him, to His will to his plan. So verse 24, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. There's been a number of these stones, a number of these remembrances, right? They had the, the layer of stones that was set up right in the middle of the Jordan. There was the, the stones that they set up off to the side as they crossed the Jordan. All of these are, are reminders. As they see that, it's this visual reminder of what God did. They're, they're going to do one more thing. Joshua took the large stone, set it up underneath the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to the people, this stone will be a witness, a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Interesting. And you and I thought it was only people that heard and remembered the stuff that we said. Now Joshua is saying, hey, listen, this stone's going to be a remembrance. This is going to be a witness. This is a testimony. The stone heard you say, you're choosing God. The stone heard you say, we're going to serve God. So you see that stone and you remember your testimony. You remember your promise. You remember your commitment. It's that visual reminder of what you said before God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. We impact and we witness and we influence other people. And one of Joshua's final thoughts as he's wanting to share before he dies, before he passes away, he wants all of the people of Israel to remember the might and the power and the awesomeness of the God who brought them out of Egypt and he took them through history item after history item after history lesson after history lesson. He said, remember what God's done. In light of that, choose to follow, choose to obey, and then serve God. Follow through with that choice wholeheartedly. Because how many times haven't we chosen something but maybe not followed through? We, we choose a diet or we choose to work out or we choose to set aside some money and save or we, we choose to set aside some money to give, but 
we struggle with the follow-through. We made the choice, but we didn't follow through. Joshua's saying, don't just remember what God has done and feel the goosebumps. Don't just make the choice and declare this is what I'm going to do. Follow through with it. Serve God. Wholeheartedly follow after him. And by the way, that stone under the oak tree heard what you said. Let that be the witness. Let that be the reminder. Let that be the the visual symbol that said, I committed to God. I chose to follow. I chose to serve. I chose to live for him. When I see that, I'm going to be reminded of my choice. Maybe you and I have got some things that remind us. Maybe maybe you've got a a particular Bible that you you were reading when, when God spoke to you through his word and When you open up that that particular Bible, it it reminds you of what God has spoken into your life. For some, it's a place, maybe right here at Alger Assembly of God, or or maybe a particular place at an altar, a particular place at a special service, or a particular somebody who was used of God in a very special way. And when you are around that person, you remember what God has has done. Remember maybe how God used them to speak into your life, to encourage or bless. All of those are reminders. And God, through Joshua, is saying, remember what he's done, choose him, and follow through wholeheartedly. Remember, choose, and serve. 